You're listening to Forecast, the marketing podcast for professional services leaders. If you're looking to generate more leads, win more deals, and take your firm to the next level, this show is your shortcut. Hey there, folks. Welcome back to the show. We've got Tony Banta coming on the show today. Tony is somebody who I've gotten to know quite well recently. And I love Tony's approach to business. I love his approach to consulting. I love his approach to getting clients' results. Here's a man who was really, really focused on getting fantastic results for his clients, but also helping people like you, consultants, get fantastic results for your clients. And here's what happens. I've seen that way too many times. Consultants who are really good at what they do, they get clients and they get clients and they grow and they grow, and then they get to this point where their business is going to break if they get any more clients. And usually they tap out there and they decide not to grow anymore because they've hit their capacity, or they decide that they have to hire this team and hire these legions of cheap junior consultants to do the work for them, and that's the traditional grow-a-firm model. But I think what you're going to discover in this conversation with Tony is that there is a better way. There are multiple ways that you could scale a consulting business that don't all involve hiring more staff. And Tony's going to shed some light into what that looks like in this interview. Now, before I let you go, do me a favor. If you like this show, if you're getting value out of this show, I would really appreciate it if you'd leave us a rating and a review on iTunes. You can do that by going to forecast.fm slash iTunes. That's going to pull up the iTunes page, drop us a rating, drop us a review. We'd love to hear from you. And in exchange for that, I'm going to be picking one person at random to send my book of the month. What I'm reading right now is Seth Godin's This Is Marketing. It is a fantastic book. It is, I think, what will be considered... Seth Godin's seminal work on marketing. It is an absolute must read for anybody who's engaged in the practice of marketing, which hopefully is all of you if you're listening to this show. So I'd love to send you a copy on me. All you need to do is go to forecast.fm slash iTunes, leave us a rating and a review, take a screenshot of that, email it into me at ahmed, A-H-M-A-D, at boutiquegrowth.com. I'm going to pick one person at random, and I will send you the book. Really appreciate that. And with that, here is Tony Banta. Tony, thank you so much for coming on the show, my friend. Absolutely, Ahmed. It's great to see you. We've only crossed paths very recently, but we know a lot of the same people. And ever since I first kind of laid eyes on your work and on your, your content, I said to myself, that guy's got to get on the show. <laughs> well, I am honored. Thank you for that. And I'm glad that you're here. So let's uh, let's start with the, the Tony Banta backstory. You know, who are you? Where'd you come from? Yeah. So I have a somewhat kind of typical entrepreneurial, uh, you know, background. I uh, was born into an entrepreneurial family. Um, um, started my first, uh, um, you know, lemonade stand at five. Uh, you know, right, just because I was bored. And wanted to do something, and that's what I saw. You know, that's what I saw my parents doing. That's what I saw, um, you know, my uh, my role models doing. That translated into starting my first real business when I was in high school. So I was a self-taught software developer, and I was fascinated with the way that systems worked. So the way that you could program a system and uh, then the computer would just listen and it would just it would just take care of things and it would never make a mistake. And in fact, the only mistakes really 
were the ones that we, the programmers, built in, right? And so that kind of shaped a lot of my worldview from a very early age. In doing software development projects for companies, I very quickly realized the somewhat depressing sort of disillusionment that even the best software in the world could never solve the deeper leadership issues within companies. That uh, if there was dysfunctional leadership, if there was a dysfunctional culture, that we could do phenomenal work for our clients and they would still struggle. And in fact, they would blame us because they um, would say, you know, hey, you did this and it doesn't work. And it doesn't matter that, you know, their people weren't trained appropriately. It doesn't matter that the leadership sabotaged the efforts or things like that. Some of those things that I'm sure your, um, your clients run into with their clients all the time. And so that sort of started me down the second sort of phase in my career, which was uh, leadership consulting and corporate training. And so I was one of those, you know, I was one of those consultants flying around the, you know, country and, you know, running training groups, helping to, you know, helping organizations pivot. I worked for three of the Fortune 500 doing some corporate training plans and helping them to kind of pivot after the crash of 2008. In that time, I got Lean and Six Sigma certifications. For those who don't know, those are sort of the two uh, most prominent process improvement methodologies that are are used today. And that was a phenomenal career. It was a ton of fun. I got to spend time with, with some amazing uh, you know, companies and some amazing teams, a lot of which are still friends today. But at some point in time, you have to say, I don't want to fly all around anymore. <laughs> and I'd really like to be able to you know, start a family and kind of you know, put down some roots and uh, you know, like maybe work uh, from an office uh, like I am right now. That's, that's about two miles away from my house. So that is, is what led me into the online world. And I sort of took a lot of those, experience, those experiences for systems and for corporate training, what works in behavior, uh, you know, um, in behavior modification and in industrial psychology. And I'm applying it to the world of consultants and coaches and service providers who do some, uh, who do some amazing work, but they're exactly like I was at the beginning of my career, where their clients are still having uh, problems actually implementing, still having problems finding success with that work. And uh, we connect the dots, fill in the missing gaps, show them the friction points that their clients are going through that they wouldn't see unless they you know, crack their heads open. And, uh, and so our clients get like these amazing client successes uh, you know, consistently. They spend a fraction of the time working with their clients that they used to, and uh, they just have more fun at work. Oh, and they have uh, clients for life is the other thing is that they get these, you know, these like incredible, you know, lifetime retention, uh, because once you help change someone's life, they want to do it again. <laughs> so, Tony, tell us how to get that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll break that down in a little bit. But first, I want to hear a little bit more yeah. about that, that initial journey. When you're going out and you're doing leadership training and development programs and you're flying around the country want to hear a little bit more about, you know, what did you do in the early days to drum up business for yourself? You know, in the very beginning, I worked for another firm, so I didn't have to. And that was, it just sort of happened by accident. I just sort of fell into it. And there were a lot of great things about that. I always felt like I was more of an operations person um, than I was a sales and marketing person. Um, I always felt a little bit afraid of um, some of those things. Um, because 
the you know with sales and marketing there are all of these emotional things that can be that can be tied up in that right you launch a campaign you don't get any results you think you know like hey is it me does nobody you know uh, uh, does nobody you know want what i have but um, it was great for me to have that experience of of actually working for another firm because i got to make a lot of those relationships and then when i kind of branched out on my own um i was up to a six figure you know book of business within 3 months or so um, of when I left my firm. Uh, and so that was a great sort of jumping off point. Um, and, uh, you know, I was lucky enough not to, uh, uh, not to need some of that, um, you know, some of that sales and, uh, you know, um, and marketing help. Um, although I love all the content that, you know, you're putting out there. Uh, if I had known you, uh, you know, seven years ago, I might've been even more confident to, you know, break out sooner. So Tony, tell me this. You know, I think I know one of your tenets that you love to preach is that as a consultant, as a coach as well, but certainly as a consultant, you know, you're not selling deliverables. And this is a trap that, you know, everybody get, falls into this trap, right? It's like, oh, well, what do you do? Well, it's, it's uh, you know, they end up describing a deliverable or a document, right? Here's what we do. We make this thing. We give clients this thing. And I know that's something that you feel very passionately against. Tell us why that yes. is a terrible mistake. <laughs> so I think there's the, the boring answer and then there's the really fun answer. You know, the really boring answer is, is, you know, to sort of, uh, you know, geek out on, um, on lean six Sigma methodology for a second for something to be value added. It has to qualify three different factors. The first factor is somebody has to be willing to pay for it. The second factor is it can't be, rework. It can't be something that, you know, that has to be fixed. It needs to be done right the first time. And then the third factor is it has to transform something in some way. And uh, 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 that, uh, uh, that word transform is actually written into the Lean Six Sigma literature. And of course, what they're talking about, these sort of methodologies were originally created by, you know, companies like Toyota, GE, you know, this is where they were, you know, they were, uh, this is where they were created and kind of codified. Um, and so they were, um, they were intending it from a, from a manufacturing standpoint that you can't just like that. It's not a value added step for you to just look at the piece that comes off of the manufacturing line. You actually have to change it. You need to, um, you know, you need to stamp it. You need to, you know, cut it. You need to, um, you know, like you need to polish it. You need to do something. Right. And so that's what they meant by, uh, transformation. But, um, the, uh, uh the English language is a beautiful thing, uh, because, um, these principles, in the same exact way that they apply to a manufacturing line, they also apply to what we do as consultants. And so what that means is we can hand somebody a deliverable all day long, but there is no transformation in that. And so for somebody to actually get value from that thing, you know, right, because we could walk into a room and we could give a presentation, we could run a training class, you know, to a group of 20, 30, 100 people. Uh, but if they leave and they act the same way that they did the day before they came into the room, there was zero transformation. There was zero value added. And so if you as a consultant want to be paid, uh, if you want to be paid what you're really worth, if you want to be paid well, if you want to you know, not be scraping the bottom of the barrel for clients, then you need to transform. And what that really means is you need to transform lives. You actually need to transform the state that's in your client's mind so that they can be better. And yes, you may have to have deliverables that help you do that, right? 
Um, you know, if you're a confidence coach, um, just to use something as an example from a totally different industry than most of uh, your listeners, but um, I think that this might be an important sort of uh, sort of analogy. If uh, you're a confidence coach, you might want to take someone shopping so that they can get new clothes because that's going to help somebody feel more confident, right? But the clothes aren't going to transform the person into someone that's more confident. That's just a tool that they use so that they can see themselves in a new way. And it's the same thing. If you have a consultant that is you know, doing process improvement like I used to, or that is, um, you know, that is providing uh, you know, website as a deliverable, um, or doing software development, or doing you know, all of those things, they're all important. They're all great tools. And the, but the critical transformation is much deeper. And if you ignore that, then all of the work is for naught. Uh, really. <laughs> and so, so I love this idea and I can feel people tensing up and getting very afraid at this notion because it is so much easier on the ego to uh, just say, well, I, I, I sell websites and I sell process improvement services and I sell this and I sell that. Um, to sell transformation is, is daunting and intimidating what advice do you have for folks to kind of be able to get over that and really own it? Well, I think the first thing is it, it, if somebody's ever had a client success, then they're already doing that. And so it's really, really easy to be intimidated by this word transformation, right? Because it's big. And because we think about, you know, we think about the metamorphosis of, uh, you know, of a caterpillar becoming a, you know, butterfly. And, you know, for most of us, our clients have never, you know, like cocooned themselves and then sprouted wings. That would certainly be pretty cool if that did happen. But since that's not what happens most of all, um, or, you know, we also think when we talk about, you know, transformation, we think about like the comic books, right? I'm a little bit of a nerd. And I'm hoping that some of your audiences too, um, although I won't go too deep into this, but we think about those like moments where like Peter Parker gets bitten by the spider and then he transforms into this superhero that has these abilities. But the fact of the matter is you're already doing that for your clients. The, and that as soon as that you've had client successes, um, and there aren't many consultants out there that haven't had some client successes. You know, the thing that I see most of all is it's just a matter of, you know, taking those 20% best client successes and then turning that into what 90% of your clients achieve. Because most people out there are already getting some really great successes. Um, and so in that way of, you know, looking at it in that model, it's really just a matter, um, of, of listening, of, you know, paying attention to where your clients are and to those critical things that changed to those aha moments that those clients had. And then by paying attention to that, you know, we talk about the emotional journey that a client goes through and, um, that's not, uh, meant to be in a woo-woo way, but it's meant to be in a way of, you know, looking at what is that path? What is that hero's journey um, the, that they have to go on so that they can achieve that result? Because if it's a very high value, and that's what we all want to do. I mean, I'm assuming that that's where all of your listeners are, that we all want to provide high value to our clients. And so if that's where we are, if that's where, um, if that's what we aspire to do for them, um, then it is a, um, then we have to be looking um, at the emotional things that have been holding them back from experiencing that high value transformation. And so the, you know, to your point of it being daunting, I, I can totally understand that for somebody that's never uh, uh, thought about these things in those terms, but the fact is you're already doing it. And the more that you realize what that is, the more that you ask clients questions 
that may be a little bit uncomfortable, but you know, things like, Hey, how is this feeling? Like, you know, how are you struggling as you are, as you are implementing some of these tools, um, as you ask more and more of those questions and you get, and you get more pieces of the mosaic of, you know, that experience that they're having that is inside their head that they don't often share, because especially in the, you know, corporate world, people don't generally go around saying, you know, oh, I'm feeling, you know, I'm feeling kind of ashamed that I haven't, you know, done this. I'm feeling scared that I'm going to try to implement this and I'm going to fail. That's not like, that's not a, a common um, phraseology that you hear in, you know, boardrooms, but um, if you get into a um, if you get into a more vulnerable conversation with your clients, they'll tell you that, and that can highlight so much of that transformation that you're already doing, uh, sometimes just by accident. <laughs> so I love this so much because you know I, I like to paint this kind of black and white picture of the world because it's helpful sometimes, right? There's there's consultants who they're just participating in a race to the bottom. You know, the commoditized services. They're getting hammered on fees and they've got to just scrape the bottom of the barrel to drive business. And some of them do, you know, reasonably well, they make a living and that's all they make. And then there's consultants who they're, they've really dialed in their expertise. They're really, really well positioned and their fees go up and up and up and they do less and less work. And I really feel like what you're describing here in terms of owning the client's emotional journey and being being the professional in the room that is willing to step up and take ownership and look at the full scope of what's going on and not just a little one piece that you do, I really feel like that makes the difference between the two. I think it absolutely does. Well, and let's just look at that example from lean methodology. For something to be value added, it, I mean, you have to transform. And so the more that you get that transformation, the more that you get that dialed in, the more value that you're creating. And the reason why people charge high ticket prices or, or super high ticket prices, I was just at a mastermind last week um, uh, with um, a friend of mine who um, she only charges $100,000 per engagement. <laughs> and so for some of your listeners, you know, for some of them, that may be, that may be normal. Um, they may have you know, normalized that. But for probably the majority of you know, your listeners and certainly the majority of my clients, that seems so far out there. But the fact is, if they're creating that value, then that is an easy price to pay. Um, we have the top tier of some of our services. We charge, uh, depending on the size of the uh, firm, we charge between twenty dollars and $50,000. And we do that because one of our clients, we just help them get on a pathway where they will be doing six figures a month within the next three months. And so for them, $50,000 is an easy price to pay because, because, because they now have that model so that they can do that. And that is the value transference, right? That is all it takes. And so if we want to do those commoditized things, if we want to do those deliverables, we can be, um, you know, highly paid, you know, hourly um, sort of, you know, freelancers. And that is one way to go. And that's certainly low risk because there's no, you know, because there is risk in having those vulnerable conversations with clients. There's especially risk there because when you have those vulnerable conversations and when you're talking about high transformation, people lash out. And so you need to be ready for that, you know, as part of what happens along that journey. Uh, but um, if you enjoy that risk, um, if you want to take those personal risks so that you can help change someone's life 
And, you know, in some cases for those of your uh, listeners that are working corporate, um, for you to change an entire company full of people's lives, um, then that is this super high transformation. That is what allows you to get those, you know, higher ticket prices and for you to be known, you know, worldwide um, for this super specific and, and incredibly valuable thing that uh, some of your listeners do. I love that. And I always try to encourage my clients to think about what are the consequences of the work that you do on the specific person that you're working with? So as an example, let's say that you help CFOs. If thinking of a client, he helps CFOs develop better reporting systems. So, okay. I mean, that client might say, well, hey, nothing life-changing about this, right? Like, I mean, the CFO gets better reporting, better systems, makes better decisions. And that's probably all he's thinking about. Well, how does that reflect on the CFO's performance? How does him making better decisions every single day uh, reflect on him at the board meetings? How does a CEO now look at him? How does, how does peers look at him? How does he now do his, better, do his job better, earn more money, get more promotions? And how does that change his life? And it all started with your little reporting. Right? <laughs> well, when you dial it down, it's, it's, it's transformative. Yeah. Well, and I mean, uh, we, all, uh, we can also look at the decision fatigue. You know, if you help somebody reduce the amount of difficult decisions that they have to make in a day, that can quite literally change everything about their life in no time. And so, I mean, these things have deep and lasting consequences, but that's only true if you know and you own, just like you said, Ahmed, if you really own that transformation, because if you're not, then you're teaching your client that this thing that you're doing doesn't really matter. That like, hey, it's nice. You're going to make some more money. It'll be great. But if you are playing small, then you're training your clients to play small. And so you are by design reducing the amount of transformation that's going to be there. And then you can't be surprised when you're commoditized or when, you know, when a bigger fish than you just makes the thing that you do a free add-on to their consulting service that they're already providing your, you know, your ideal clients. You know, it's funny. I think a lot of folks look at their competitors who may be charging more than they are for the same work and they say, well, how come they can charge five times, 10 times what I'm charging for the same work? What you just said is why. Yeah. <laughs> it's not that they're doing more work. It's that they're positioning yeah. it within this broader transformation. And in fact, they're, they're, they're probably doing less work. Um, that's certainly not a rule across the board. But um, I have a client, I'll uh, use this as an example. She has a waiting list. Um, uh, she has a waiting list months out. And she is, is brilliant um, in the niche that she's in. She does um, sort of um, like specialized copywriting for some funnels and some things like that. And she has a waiting list that just goes on and on and on, right? And she has never ran an ad. She's never had to, you know, she's never had to pay to attract people. She just has this, you know, waiting list. But she's exhausted. And, she's a, and before she got to us, she was about 15 minutes away from you know blowing up what she was uh, what she was doing because it was because it was just no longer worth it for her. Um, she had to sacrifice you know self care. She had to sacrifice spending time with her husband. And um, we just wrapped up the first phase of you know working with her. And she's on a path where she'll be doing high five figures, low six figures for working five to six hours a month. And that's the transformation. Once you really own the transformation and you go all in, and then you build the necessary systems, you put the necessary people in place to be able to you know, help you. Um, you can actually do dramatically less work and help dramatically more people 
And that's how that's how value is created. And it's the same thing. If we look at, you know, if we look at some of the billionaires of the world, you know, Steve Jobs, Elon Musk, it's the same exact thing that they've done. You know, they created something and then they put the infrastructure in place so that they could deliver all that value predictably without them having to make an iPhone or to actually assemble a, a Tesla. And so if, you know, like if Elon Musk uh, doesn't show up, I can guarantee that there are going to be cars that are still going to be delivered, you know, that day, right? And so the same thing can be true for you. Your clients can be getting that transformation as long as you focus on what that journey really is. And in that way, I mean, um, some of what you do, Ahmed, is actually similar. There's a very, um, there's a strong corollary to some of what you do for clients in, um, in what we do for clients, which is once you dial the right uh, and really, it's kind of similar from a marketing standpoint too. You know, once you dial in the right messaging, once you dial in the right uh, the, the right levers that are in people's mind, then you can get those results like clockwork. And that's exactly that is just as true for marketing as it is true for fulfillment. Except people think that they're not worthy to make the money unless they worked, you know, fifty hours for the contract or you know something like that, right? And really, that's just a limiting belief that's that's probably hurting your clients. <laughs> if that's something that you know, if that's a belief that some of your listeners have. Well, let's let's talk about fulfillment though, because you painted a pretty pretty accurate picture there, which is that the marketing needs to tie into the fulfillment. And one of the things I tell my clients is, and when we work with them on this, is sell the outcome that the client wants. Don't talk about your service. Don't talk about your deliverable. Nobody cares. Sell them the outcome that they want. However. And that works pretty well. My clients do well. But then they face this challenge of, okay, well, now I've got to deliver on this outcome. I've got to give this transformation, which for folks who are really good at what they do is, is straightforward and very intuitive when their scale is relatively low. But as they bring on more business and revenue goes up, now they've got this fulfillment problem. And it's like, well, how do I scale results and delivery? They call you the king of client success. I've heard that before. So I'm hoping you can give us some good <laughs> advice on how to scale fulfillment and transformation. Yeah, for sure. Well, so the first thing that I would say to your listeners is probably the wrong way to scale is by thinking that you need to and um, that you need to too quickly. If you work with the right um, with the right advisor on the marketing end, just like Ahmed, you know, he's uh, brilliant at what he does. I've been following him for a, you know, for a while now. If you work with someone great like that, then you can make a very good living and you can have a solid business without needing to scale. And I think that that's really important because I've seen so many people who have, have started to scale in the wrong way and at the wrong time. And so if you're not working in a model where you've had five to 10 solid client successes, as a for instance, I won't even work with you. And some of the reason why, you know, I would invite you to be part of our free, you know, Facebook group. I would invite you to, you know, show up to some of our free, you know, webinars to continue to follow us on. We're just about to launch our own uh, podcast in a couple, um, in a couple uh, weeks from now. Um, so I would invite someone like that to follow us there so that we can give you free resources to do that. But you cannot avoid, especially when you're productizing some of your offer, you really need to just like you just need to pour yourself into your clients so that you can see, so that you can really see intimately the struggles that they go through and exactly that emotional journey that I talked about. So after you have a handful of those great client successes, 
then that's when you want to maximize. What you don't want to do is you don't want to launch a group program, uh, you know, like too early. You certainly don't want to launch in a group program um, is one of the biggest mistakes that I see people make, um, especially people just like me, where, you know, we are tired of doing that corporate consulting thing. So we say, hey, why don't we just launch a group program? And then we'll just throw everybody in the group. But that's a struggle because there are things that people will never say in a group that you need to know and you need to see a good sample size of those so that you can get a sense of, of some of those outliers and how you build in the right processes into your program that can really help those people or so that those people, so that those people can have what we like to call the moment of truth where they decide, hey, I'm going to self-select out. Because because this transformation, I know I said I wanted it, but uh, this transformation is just too big for me. And so I'm going to self-select that. And, th and there's a lot of clarity for them. There's a lot of value for them in that as well. Um, we have a client that, that um, helps people um, get out of corporate and start their own business. And for them, when their clients self-select out, that's a, a hugely powerful thing because if you don't have that kind of help and in the course of weeks you self-select out, well then, well, then what happens when people start their own business? They get a second mortgage. They invest years of time trying to build it. They try to do the marketing themselves because they don't, because they're too, pro because they're too proud or because they don't want to spend the money to you know, hire someone like Ahmed to you know, actually help them dial it in correctly. And then after two years of struggling and you know eating ramen noodles and you know not spending time with their kids they finally come to the conclusion that oh, i'm just going to go back and get a job and so if you can help someone get that clarity that hey like they do not want to do this they do not have the grit that it's going to take to actually make this work and you give them that clarity in four weeks even though you didn't get them the result that they said they wanted that's still a huge result and so having that, building that moment of truth in and knowing where those outliers are in your, you know, in your population, in your, you know, in your avatar group is a super powerful thing that you just cannot get in a group kind of setting. So that's my first piece of advice is, you know, really cherish every one of those one-on-one -on -one connections uh, because, because that's going to give you the, you know, some of that clarity so that you really can scale the right way. Fantastic. That's excellent. So let's assume, Tony, I know we've got a few minutes left here. Let's assume the vast majority of our listeners are, you know, consultants and they're not thinking about a group program or anything like that. They probably have some corporate clients and they're doing some consulting work, you know, to the tune of maybe ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars a project. And they know there's only one of them. And they're thinking, well, yeah. to grow, I've got to hire. And to hire, I need a certain amount of revenue. And that's probably the only path that most people are thinking of because that's a traditional path. Mm -hmm. Right. What other options are there on the table for them to grow and to scale beyond their current level should they want to? It's a great question. And I'm thrilled that you brought up the hiring piece as well, because that's probably the second most common mistake that people make in that journey is they rush to hire to replace themselves, which would make a ton of sense if you were in a business where you were painting houses or doing something like that, right? But the client the client consultant relationship is a really important one. And so when you hire to put someone in that role, and at some levels, you may want to hire, you may want to hire to, you know, train, um, you may want to hire additional people, um, you know, within your field um, uh, that can, you know, help supplement what you're doing. And it's a super smart thing to do on scale. Uh, but you want to be careful that you 
have that you have that pathway that your clients need to walk super dialed in and that you've executed that yourself because the tools and the pathway and the content that you give clients that is for a consulting business your innovation so every year um, you know apple comes out with a brand new iphone uh, every, you know, every couple of years, car manufacturers will come out with a new model of their car. And for them, that's innovation. They make it lighter, they make it faster, they make it, you know, as I'm thinking about this, this applies to the iPhone just as much as it does to the, you know, BMW, right? For them, that's innovation. And there are a few of those metrics that just make it more desirable for everybody. For you and your business, you have to innovate as well. And that means that you have to continually look for those gaps for clients and then build that back into your program. Look for those gaps, look for those friction points, and then build that back in. Tweak those, you know, some of those assets, some of those deliverables. And especially for the consultants that are out there, probably the biggest misconception that I sort of want to coach your, um, your listeners you know, and your clients on is uh, that you spending time with a client is not valuable. So that's not value added for you to spend time with a client. You think it is. You think that you put on those proposals or you know, on, that, you know, on that deliverable sheet, hey, I'm going to be on site with you this many hours, or I'm going to spend this many hours you know, in, you know, in live you know, uh, trainings with you, you know, those sorts of things, uh, video trainings. I mean, things like uh, you know, Zoom or you know, GoToMeeting. Um, you, think that that's, you think that that's valuable because that's valuable to you, but no one cares about your time. Even if they say they do, they really don't. They only care about the transformation. And so once you've shifted away from that, you can then look at that process and say, how can I build recorded video modules that can help people? Because somebody can watch a recorded video module at any time of the day. They don't need you to be there for them to be able to get value from that. How do I create you know, how do I create a worksheet? How do I create a dynamic spreadsheet that they can copy and they can use for every one of the business units in their company? How can I create a tool so that they can actually use that tool with their employees? And now we get second and third order value that's being created because we have these tools today. You know, like 20, 30 years ago, consultants didn't have, you know, half, a third of the tools that we have today. Um, that these um, sorts of online, you know, um, tools like Google, you know, Sheets and, you know, Google Docs. And, you know, I know that, you know, Microsoft has their own, you know, they have their own corollaries of all of these. But these allow us to provide so much value and it's free or it is next to free. And that's how you can innovate. And in that innovation, you can scale probably dramatically more than you even think that you can. If you're, you know, holding on to that belief that your time is the thing that's valuable. I love how you drop this this time bomb, pun intended, uh, at the very end here, because like, we could go so much longer on that. But one thing I want to say, just to highlight for people, is that you know this idea. We're gonna of have selling, to tease that in the intro, so people listen all the way through. We're, we're gonna, gonna have to. Have to. We're gonna have a little special bonus <laughs> for you at the end here. Look, here's the thing: the, the minute clients start to talk about, well, how much, you know, how often are you gonna be on site, and you know, how many meetings do I get? The minute you have that conversation, you've lost. Not lost the sale. You might still win the sale, but you've lost the the, the transformation. That that's not 
the conversation you want to be having. That's, that's so important. Tony, one quick story for you. Um, and just to highlight the point here, I got a client consulting firm. Okay. They do procurement consulting. They develop their own proprietary software product that they would use when delivering consulting services to clients. And it wasn't long before clients looked over their shoulders and said, Hey, can we get access to that? And now they're spinning off the software product as a standalone SaaS product. So this is what's possible when you look for systems and look for opportunities to improve fulfillment. You may have at one extreme, a whole other product line on your hands that you can sell. Yeah. Right. Tony, uh, I know you got to run really, really grateful for you coming on the show and sharing all this value with us. I'm going to be listening to this a few times and sharing it with a whole lot of people. So really appreciate it. Let us know where we can find you to follow you and learn more from you. Absolutely. So uh, my name is Tony Banta. You can find me on uh, Facebook uh, is one place. I know a lot of your listeners are also on LinkedIn. So I'm always on LinkedIn as well. Um, I am uh, uh, Tony Banta. Our company name is Venture Greatly. And uh, we are huge fans of what you are doing, Ahmed. So thanks so much for the opportunity to uh, speak to your audience. And uh, I wish you guys tons of luck. I have a lot of, of uh, love for the consulting space that a lot of your listeners and clients are in. Thank you so much, sir. And we'll have links to all that in the show notes. Tony, thanks again. Have a good one. Hey, it's Ahmed here again. Before I let you go, there are two things I want you to do. The first is, if you like what you hear, go ahead and subscribe to the show on iTunes or Google Play by visiting forecast.fm and clicking on the relevant link. While you're at it, please do leave us a rating or a review because it helps more people discover the show. The second thing is I want you to grab my free course on the five P's of lead generation for professional services firms. Inside the course, you will get a step-by-step -step framework to help you generate a flood of new business for your firm. The course is 100% free of charge and you can get immediate access at 5leadgen.com and you can spell out five or use the number, either one works. That's 5leadgen.com. Thanks for listening.